0: In three, two, one.
1: Welcome to the acclaimed
2: podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Bet
0: Welcome to the Deep Dive. It is Wednesday, so we get to dive into um, guest interviews in the offseason, which again is going to be exceptionally fun over the course of the season. Uh, We talked to our friend Kelly last week about tennis. That ended up being a fantastic conversation. And this one today that you will be listening to is one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. We have an industry insider, a former trader, uh, a guy that understands the global sports betting marketplace better than anyone I've ever talked to. Uh, and we are going to have a fascinating conversation. Welcome to the Deep Dive for the first time ever. Mr. Matthew Trenhale, how are you doing this evening?
1: Thank you very much. Doing very well. Absolute pleasure to be on. Uh, I feel very honored. Uh, yeah, um, hopefully uh, hopefully, I can share some knowledge that uh, may be useful to some of the listeners. Maybe not, oh. but we'll see how we go. <laughs>
2: Okay so now uh, yeah we talked yeah. a little off air about that. I mean and hopefully you can enlighten some people with some of your you know stories, knowledge, anecdotes, thoughts about the markets. That's something we've we've had trouble explaining for a couple of years I think. And it's it's been, you know, hey, you know we do an NFL podcast. We talk about a bunch about the league, what's going on and stuff, but you know we we haven't got too far off of just market entry you know, and understanding where some of these lines originate. I don't know if we've even gotten really deep into that ever, you know, where, where these lines originated. I I think some people that follow along to the NFL have started to understand like, Oh, those Sunday openers that you guys were betting. It could be as originally we were doing a podcast on Sunday night. We're picking off some Sunday openers and then we'd release that podcast and some people would listen to it Monday and be like, well, I can't bet any of these. They have moved (laughs) And, and it forced, it forced us to, you know, well, we'll do it live then. We'll do a live stream on Sunday in case people want to join us, pick off some of these low limit openers and, and some people have enjoyed that. But I think you know a side side part of that has been some people are kind of understanding how the NFL market progresses throughout the week as you know just a, a side effect of that. So I, I think that's important as you progress, you know, I, as I started with college basketball uh, and you know I wasn't betting very much. It didn't matter. Like market entry was easy. I could hit really soft opener <laughs> because I wasn't betting very much money and it didn't matter. I could hit the softest of openers. And that, that was a big progression. I had to learn like how these, how this market moves and where it opens at certain places and how I can enter. If you did want to, once you scale anything, anytime you try to scale, you do need to understand the market quite a bit more. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you can enlighten everybody here. And I don't know if you want to just start with some some background and tell people
1: talking about the openers you just want to find the right table to sit down at right you know if if at the opening line you sat down at the two dollar table you know you look around at the there's there's, there's the really drunk guy next to you there's the guy who's never played before to your right you're like like oh two dollars this is it two dollar tables me right now like this is going to be easy you know and then it turns out when you go to the five dollar table ten dollar table you know as the market evolves it's like, Oh, this guy actually seems like he might know what he's doing. And like, cause I think, you know, just observing who the market participants are and their, I was about to say their agenda, it's not their agenda, but like why they're doing what they do and how they make money doing it, whether it's, you know, guys placing bets or operators, you know, knowing, knowing what you're entering into at a given time in the market, like evolution, I think has real, real value. I think, you know, for a long time I didn't put any thoughts really into anything be- like I started out as a trader and making odds, you know, for the sports that I was looking after. And I would just think about my process and what I was doing and how I would come up with the odds. And the only time you really sort of really thought about the mechanics of the market, I suppose, is I would look, you know, put my odds up, look at the other people in the market, be like, Oh shit, I'm really out on that game or I'm sort of in line with that game and you know, and then I would sort of try to think, how's that person come up with that? But then it's like, you know, you're like, oh, maybe I missed this or that, and tweak it, and then yeah, just let people place bets and see where we go. But then the more you kind of work in, like, sort of all global aspect of the industry, you're kind of like, oh, there's a lot of interconnecting pieces to the puzzle, I guess. Um, and yeah, market market origination, like some of it's, I think. Very, some of the some of it proves to be quite like oh it's a bit mundane really you know <laughs> it's like you know if someone said to you you know offshore bookmaker A as the NFL games are finishing is just updating fairly old school power ranking knows at the end of the day that limits go up low limits finish high at the other end. Can average into whatever position you need to average into. You know, it's just like, look, does, does it matter what number I throw up right now? You're <laughs> kind of like, you know, what? You mean they're not plugging it into the supercomputer? And like, you know, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, there's definitely, you know, really solid established markets. The closing lines of the sports pretty much dictate the power ranking update, barring injuries and things you've observed. Course. And situationals like maybe next week is the last week of the season or whatever, so no one gives a shit. Whatever it is. But barring like the injuries and the situationals, it's kind of like the origination of that is like uh, it's you know, it's nice to know where the <laughs> it's, nice, it's nice to know where the first number was hung, but again it's just sort of more of a, a curiosity thing. Um but the ones that I like lo- like so brand new sports, you know, when they come along, like that's interesting and you know uh sports has suddenly become much more popular and they can sort of change as in someone suddenly decides do you know what i'm going to get involved with the origination of that because i think i can do it better so like there's not many originators around the world however there are different sets of originators for different sports to a degree regions regional differentials you know and then you get, I mean, the the example I always give is Bandy, which is like a crazy Scandinavian kind of hockey, (laughs) you know, like Bet365 does not hang the first Bandy number. And they're probably right not to, you know, but Mm -hmm. if it's say like Vykaus, which is like the Finnish national bookmaker, you're like, okay, yes, definitely in their interest to hang that early and they'll take business. And, you know, they've got retail outlets with, with to place bets and, know all the rest of it so you know it makes sense and you can sort of see the little pockets of origination that sort of make enough create enough interest because a lot of people do just say to me like yeah doesn't everyone just wait till bet 365 goes up with a number and then that that's the number for everyone or in the case of us facing stuff like chris post like the one thing i like about the american market is it does sort of it's it's sort of constantly evolving because when you've got a limited number of sports to really hyper focus on,
2: sure, like it's
1: like circa being first to market for college, some college sports, I want to say, sure, yeah, quite a bit, and that's something that just didn't exist maybe a couple of years ago, and you're like, Look, the one I always love is like it's it's this this one always amuses me is that <laughs> I always see it on, so on on the screen. On the screens that i used to look at i always see it as bet royal right now bet royal's been dead i bet i bet some of the money mover guys offshore would tell people like bet royal is a website you go to that tells you it's closed down and i think it was bought by maybe sbg europe or something like that and that's probably been closed down it's probably owned by someone else offshore you know like that but the funny thing is is that the website of bet royal is still kept alive and it still updates the numbers and for a long time on college football the first place you could find anywhere in the world for college football to go up with a line was bet, this Bet Royal website. And you're like, my God, what the fuck's going on there? <laughs> and the great thing is, he said, <laughs> uh, after that, the second person to go up was often NikeBet. And NikeBet is a label of five dimes. Yeah, so that island like casino, five dimes kind of thing like that. Sure. And so you're like, you know, and I just would think, like, what on earth is the interest? <laughs> like, i like, Bet, I think of Bet Royal, and I don't know anything about Bet Royal or what they used to be like before they were closed. But I'm guessing they were the kind of people that would be happily taking, you know, $500, $1,000 bets, like at tip-off. Not the people who are like, because like, now Circa hangs a number in like 10000 or whatever it is. You know, bold, bold, bold plays they make, and you're like, there's no way that Bet Royal were doing that. Back in the day, or, or who knows? Maybe they were doing that, and that's why Betroll doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that- you know, that that, that 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 sort of crazy little window of origination, and like again, like WNBA. You know, who goes up with first with WNBA? And it's I always was brought up as I was a trader that there was no place for heroes. Was the phrase? <laughs> Don't feel you have to go up first. However, the U.S. market does definitely. I mean, would you say there's a prestige to being first up, almost for operators now?
2: So, yeah, I sir, for sure. yeah, for sure. Circa Circa is often, you know, given some pats on the back and you know lauded by betters is like, hey, you know, the the because it does it takes balls to put up some of those numbers, and you know they're not just taking nickel limits; they are taking some decent limits on, uh, especially for an opener on some of those numbers. And they're not, you know, they're not using other numbers; they're using their You know, they're in-house traders and setting their own numbers. Their college numbers are often a little off market. And maybe we find out in the long run that they were off market in the right way and everybody else was truly off market. They were on market. But, I mean, even even, uh, their Twitter account, I think it was, I don't know if they did this last year, but the year before for sure. I mean, they just hung their power numbers. Here's our power right. numbers for, for college football on the on the top 25. This is how we'd rate these teams uh, relative to each other, which was was something. So I, I think there is a bit of prestige, but like you said, like if I was if I was running, if I were an operator, I'd want to be like third. <laughs> <You> know, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd want to let somebody else let somebody else take the arrow. Like you stand in front of me, take the arrows, I'll run into battle.
0: But there's an advantage to being first too, because we, I, we know as sports betters, you get into a, a rhythm, a system, right? Like I, like I do my MBA at the same time every night because I know when I'm going to see numbers, I know where I'm going to see them. And that becomes part of my process, right? And for sure, um, if, you are, you know, if you are drawing in the people who are repeatedly trying to get, be first to market with your, their information for whatever reason um, then, and you get their bets, then you are, you know, you know, yes, if you're not taking those bets, you'll see how the line moves and you'll, you're getting the output of the, you know, of the odds makers synthesis of the data that they've collected, you know, from the early bettors, but you don't actually have those bets. You don't actually know those customers. You don't actually understand necessarily who's, you know, whose action is influencing that movement. Does that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah. What's I mean, what stops me DMing you, Drew, though, and going like, Look, I'm gonna post these as soon as you've placed your bets with me. Here's here's the private numbers. Sure. You bet into them. We know we know offshore does to be honest, offshore's probably one of the few places that still does it. That, so absolutely. Go way, that happens. Sure. go way back in the UK, horse racing, there used to be a group of people who were allowed first bet before the actual numbers were posted. We'd have people who'd come up with what they call tissues. So they come up with prices and you pay people who provided this service, like, cause you know, horse racing is, it's challenging to price, right? So they'd have these super experts and they'd send in the tissues fax machine. And when I first started, and it was almost like, if you have a couple of tissues and average the prices, yeah. you kind of, you, you got somewhere, call up a guy, you know, have you got anything you want to bet today? the guy will already know the kind of horse he thinks will be too big. So he'll go through like a few horses. Like he almost doesn't need to see the prices because he kind of already knows the market rates, this kind of thing. It doesn't rate this kind of thing. So he then goes to the horses, you know, usual conversation. Can I have 5 million on that? Well, you can have 500. Okay. I'll take it. You know, it's my usual bullshit. And, you know, you get to the right price and then you send those numbers out. uh, And there's sort of this thing where, you can only keep, there's only enough meat to keep so many people full. Because if you do that with the first guy, the smart guy calls up, and then you've got the next guy, and he's like, oh, these numbers seem a, you know, a bit sharp. I don't know if I want to get any of these. So like, yes. you kind yeah. of, and the great thing is, is that what you almost wanted was you wanted two tissues from two different services maybe, <laughs> and then you wanted to call the guy who was like, I don't know, the guy with the stopwatch sure. at, the, at the track. So the bare speed figures that guy, and then you wanted to call you wanted to call the other guy who's like ex jockey, speaks to all the trainers. Like his viewpoint is just worlds away.
0: Sure. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. And so there's meat for him because he almost likes to bet against stopwatch guy, and there's meat for stopwatch guy because he loves betting against the guy who thinks the horse looks in good shape or whatever. Oh, and then we kind of get this nice thing, and that that is 100% dying, and it's. Stupid to kill it, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, so like I'm I'm DMing you, Drew, and the thing is, is, now I've got to figure out a way to, you know, what's your sweet spot?
0: Sure. Do I
1: need to give you a dime, two dimes? How much do I need to give Drew on the opening lines to get sure. him to get him invested, and not just invested, but like so? And then I've got another guy, who I kind of want his view as well because Drew's good, but I kind of need Andy's as well because Andy's like a different style. Andy's the guy who like goes to spring training or whatever and watches them, you know, and like Drew's the numbers guy or whatever. And there's got to be constantly, you constantly get people, you know, you've got to share the pie out to keep them all interested. And that is, that is a challenge. And also while you're doing this, you know, you've got to be watching for when Drew just, sorry, Drew, you're kind of losing it. I think maybe, I think maybe your edge is gone or like, you know, um, and so then, then like Drew's calling up, And suddenly, Drew realizes that he's bet five games with you, and then when the lines are posted,
2: they've moved it the opposite direction. uh, Or or you've raised his limits. (laughs) We're give you five times. We really
0: appreciate what you're doing for us. We're going to give you bigger bigger, bigger, limits. Oh, really? Oh, wow! And
2: it it makes me think about—I can't think of the fellow's name—but it was someone who talked to Spanky, and I I think he was with Chris. And he talked about this sort of thing with his college football, yeah. or maybe maybe it was just NFL. It was so NFL one of the maybe it's like they go
0: through the list of ten guys. Yeah, yeah, but
2: yeah. And, and it makes it makes me wonder. He didn't really allude to that, but it makes me wonder. And I, I'm assuming it's probably very similar. Where he has, you know, some some guys who who bet the the into the football market based on some slightly different criteria, so he gets a good composite view of, you know, that this is probably most likely what the the market in whole. Is going to you know you get that sample of like you said the numbers guy the eye test guy the guy who does things a little different the you know a little more contrarian you know dogs early favorite late kind of guy and you get a good market view just for those small group of people to set your numbers and then when you put out your your numbers to the actual market you're you're probably feeling pretty good because you're going to get that same mix of people diving into the market as it as it starts <clears throat> to mature through the week.
1: So, I mean, as you say, you said, I'd like to go up third. Well, I'm going up first, but I'm going up third because yeah, I've right. had two guys yeah, I, bet. Right, that's me. true. Yeah. That's true. So, I mean, and the, the, I've, I read a lot about like markets outside of betting. What I found interesting was this idea that it's actually like the sort of the semi-magic tipping point is three, three opinions, three independent opinions makes a market like a reasonably stable market. So two is not enough, but three you're already sort of there. And if you think of this as sort of, um, if you're familiar with the phrase sort of a binary search, like let's say you had a, a favorite, and it's like you you you're minus two hundred, and someone bets it, and like you move it, you know, from minus two hundred to minus six hundred, then the person backs the other way, the six hundred back to halfway between the two hundred six hundred like, so you go up and down, you need to do very few, like, it's like, you know, if someone said to you, like, what's the chance it wins? I'll tell you 50%. And you said, um, and they said, well, I want to go higher. And you go, right, so somewhere between 150, I'll go 75. And they go lower. Okay, so now I'm 67 and a half, you know, like, it doesn't take many to get to, and all you need to do is you need to get within your VIC, right?
0: Right. Yeah. You, right. Don't
1: need, you don't need to get spot on, <laughs>
0: which shouldn't and be hard, considering where most people like, people are laying. Geez, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so if my first three bets out the gate are from people who are completely legit good, I'm already feeling good. But of course, right now, there's every chance the first three bets you take is some bastard moving your line five
2: <laughs> five <laughs> points
1: the wrong way, just so they can like whatever you know. I say boss you know that's the game that's that's the beauty of it but um but, you know you, you can't now straight away people used to hit openers and that's the other thing is it's like people arguing you know I want to hang small limits ah oh, but small limits forgets market manipulation about yeah, sure. him info. Sure. now if you're someone who's like you know those small limits are going to get hit it doesn't matter if you take a lot of noise trading early I think people fret too much, like, like
2: oh, oh you know, look, you. Their,
1: their line's been pulled around all over the place. How awful. And it's like, it's not that awful for them. You know, like, if you take $500 at minus 110, you know, the closing EV, even if it ends up four points away, like, it's just it's just nothing. It's like, what have I paid, like, $100 in EV or something? It's just, like, they don't, you know, no one cares. If, but, you know, what's, you know, obviously, if you're up high limits, like, I think that, the thing is, is, we got this situation and it's, it's very clear, anyone who tracked the betting exchanges in the UK, so particularly the bet for exchanges, is there used to be this thing where there was horse racing markets from about 9am in the UK up until sort of midday, one o'clock when the horse racing would actually start. There used to be quite strong money early in the market and it used to grow and grow and grow and it was massive market. We've now got to the point where there is hardly any money at all and then in the last 15 minutes, there is Bang, massive yeah. money. Bang, yeah. And it's like someone figured out I can get, you know, 90% right by paying fuck all. And it's like that was <laughs> – you know, and people moan about this. But it's like it's just clever, guys, right? You can moan about it, yeah. but someone figured yeah, out. The
0: guy in Hong Kong right. figured it out, right?
1: Yeah. I mean you can get, you know, you can get so, you know, so far with uh, just so little, so little money having to exchange hands. Yeah, and the thing is, as long as there's new guys doing, you know, stupid live podcasts on soft opening numbers, telling everyone <laughs> where, the, where the numbers are going to move, you know, then, you know they don't they don't have to they don't have to pay very much. But you know, the the yeah. funny thing is is that you know, if if one person goes starving, another one's f- feasting, you know. So you know, while uh, you know, while there are people out there who are like, oh god, I can't get my chris or pinnacle bed on at the size I want because someone's ruined the number already. Well, there's someone who's just made good friends with a new PPH, isn't there? So, you know, yeah. so, someone's, getting a new, someone's getting a new account, a new action somewhere, aren't they? You know, so I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I never, you know, if, if, a profession, if a professional gambler's ever moaning about not being able to get on, it's the best sign in the world because if all you can moan about is not getting on, it means you're running pretty good.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, if they're sure. complaining
1: about how they can't win, that, that's the, they've definitely got a problem. But if their <laughs> only complaint is I can't get the money down, you know, that's that's probably the problem okay. of all the problems you can have. That's probably the best problem. Yeah.
0: But,
2: no, I, yeah it makes I mean, me yeah. think of the video, the video we just watched, the, the partial fills. <laughs> like, it's, I, I, I'm trying to think of how to say this without sounding mean. Like, it's so simple. It's stupid. it's it but it but it was like an aha moment where when you talk about it you know if anybody hasn't watched we we talked a little off air about you you know you are doing some youtube videos now and i mean what is it like a 10 minute video about partial fills and it it's something that didn't really click until i listened to it it's like well damn like that's that is that is the the biggest indicator that you found the market entry number that's that's it. I mean, it's it, you've done it. Aces, good for you. You found, you found the spot. And I mean, it's the same way. If you can't get down at the number you want for the amount you want, that's the number. That's, that's the peak. That's the pinnacle. That's where, that's where it's going to tip the other direction. And you, you've done it. Like that's the ultimate indicator of maybe, you know, everyone argue oh CLV and ROI. And then this like, maybe the ultimate indicator of success is I can't get enough damn money down.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I think you have to if you're taking sports betting seriously, you have to take any positive mental reassurance you can whenever you can get it. Because Lord knows it's gonna beat the crap out of you mentally every opportunity it gets. So whether it's CLV and tracking that and that gives you the mental reassurance or it's the fact that, you know, you found that really offline number that no one else seemed to have found and you hit it. You didn't get, you know, you only had like a small amount on, but you did get some. Um, you know, all these little things are sort of that sort of positive reinforcement that you're on the right track. Um, but yeah, I, I consistently found that, you know, so <laughs> that everyone's got different tastes. I really enjoy um, Shepard Seville uh, podcasts. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, they're, the, longer, the, the they're longer, they're longer even than mine, the business which is chose, definitely yeah. something. Yeah. Well, the, one with,
2: the one with Hagrin is four incredible. hours. <laughs> and, and he's built his and, own outline yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and there's defi- definitely things in them that i'm just like screaming like i disagree but that's the beauty i love i love content in a way that gets me thinking and that of gives course. me an opinion but one of the i can't remember who it was maybe it was um chatham is it guy bet bas- basketball and he called it blue circle wars the Neon pinnacle so suddenly i've still got a number that i think is value pinnacle at max limits I'm hitting the number and it's bouncing back and forth and it bounces back to where I e- think it's a positive EV and I'm hitting it. And it's like, you know, if you're in that war, there's a danger that, you know, you're, you're, you're the loser and you don't realize it yet. And oh, yeah. while, while there are definitely people who are playing at that sharp end of the market, who are churning over a small margin, you know, and they are able to compete in those things. I just seen it, you know, at syndicate level, bookmaker level, all these at pro, personal punting level, all the rest of it, I definitely have seen the point where you just can't ignore too good to be true. You know, it's like the idea that if you can get 20%, you know, if, you're, if someone says, you know, you've got 20% EV on NFL sides, well you do, you, it's not only that you don't have 20% EV, you've probably got negative EV. Like yeah. it goes all the way around. It's like, if, you, if, it's, that, if it's that big... You not only don't have that much EV, it's almost a reverse market indicator that you're probably really fucking it up. Yeah. And I think that people need to sort of look like so I had I had people look at, I had people actually seen people who stake. So they know that their EV on a market, let's say it's three percent, and they don't start staking until like two percent, and the stake goes up three percent and three and a half percent difference to the market, That's sort of their max stake, and then the stake trails off. And then there's just a shut off. Because they know that there's no way the market It's like I always think like, there's a bookmaker who's betting, like, let's call minus 110, minus 110. Let's call that 105. Right. So the bookmaker feels that 5% is enough protection. Sorry, 5% implied probability, you know, that that's what they feel. Right. Like. So what is the chance in a developed market? that if you were the bookmaker and the bookmaker was betting with you, that you would be better by more than what the bookmaker bets to. You know, if, you're, if, you're, if, like, if you think of it as sort of a, this 95 to 105, the implied probability is somewhere between 95% and 105%, and the idea that you're gonna like be in at 70% or whatever, like you're that much better, it's like, when you think about, it, the funny thing about like juice in general, margin, size of margin to me is interesting in and of itself. Because essentially, margin is designed to protect the deviation between opening and closing. So if we think, and like, so I remember looking at like uh, EPL. So really liquid, like three-way market, the three-way money line market, if you like, um, for EPL. Average, the data says I looked at, it's like um, average juice was like 103.8% or something like that and I measured the implied probability deviation across this mass sum subject, in the opening and closing. And the deviation is actually, actually a shade over 3.8%, the average deviation, which for starters, for incredibly liquid, like accurate market, that's, that's a big deviation, right? But Seems on top like of it. that, it's like that deviation on that, on that huge sort of average, it just so happens that the margin is very similar to the deviation. So in other words if you were caught with your pants down at the top of the market and it settled at the bottom of the market essentially especially if you took less at the opening of the market and taking more at the bottom of the market you know you've come out flat like you've probably laid to a 100% book kind of thing okay you know and that 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 margin indicator should be an indicator to you of like how much you can beat them by in my in my mind and when people say the, the funny thing is, people say like, "Oh, how can you beat these markets?" Like now, if it's like a national lottery operator, like operating like minus one thirty or whatever, both sides. Yeah, I get that. But generally, the idea that bigger margin is like just think of the margin as an indicator of volatility. How much volatility there's an open and closing. It's like you've got to get into futures. You've got to be betting so much more in futures. You cannot be thinking about the theoretical hold on futures as being an obstacle. You've got to think about the open and closing deviation. All you've got to do is you've got to be getting volatility ahead of what the market has priced the volatility in for. And futures is where there is massive volatility. You know, so much of the professional golf business that I'm involved with or whatever betting, it's outright, it's futures. It's so crazy to see a market that's so developed in the the US facing, that's all around matchups, and I've got people turning, you no, know, so I see them, they're turning over like billions to the US offshore market and the PPH is on golf matchups. Sure. And then they're not having a dime on futures. And then meanwhile in Europe, you've got people turning over billions on outright futures and not a single dime on like the match bets or like they may just like have a token bit of action on the sides at all. It's like a small part of the portfolio, but it's different ways of looking. But like, I, I would say to people, Initially seeing margin should not be our obstacle. And the great thing is eSports. So we have this anchoring bias. So it's like, what do you bet two-way to? Oh, well, I mean, ATP, tennis, or whatever, 105? Like, like oh, it's eSports though, right? I mean, what the fuck do we know about it? Okay, um, one, 107? Like, uh, I don't know. We're pretty shit. You know, like, okay, 110. We'll go 110. Fine. No way we can beat 10%. And they're anchored to what they think two-way market should be. Sure your knowledge of eSports may be so bad and the deviation between opening and close may be so large, the realistic margin should be 120. But you don't realize it. You're at, you cannot get to the point where you're that shit at League of Legends that you're like... <laughs> so, so when people say like, oh, you know, I would bet eSports, but I can't beat like 110 on CSGO. To me, it's just like...
0: It's like, no, that's where you should be trying to attack them because they're bad at making that number. Yeah.
1: Table tennis, like it's like it's like treat margin as a measure of fear, and yeah. go after them when you see the fear. That is like and like if you want, you can take a lot of opening and closing. Uh, look,
2: like live live betting, and it, it's completely different. You know how we yeah. how we view live in in play on this side of the pond where it's, it's massive. You know it's 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 almost feels like <clears throat> I almost feel like some European people like they look down on pre match. Where, you know, the, the their limit, you know, limits are a lot bigger and pretty much. And people are actually getting money down. But it seems like everybody is just, well, why wouldn't you play in play? Like you have more information and you see that, like uh, you say the fear. Or that's why in play is minus 20 on both sides or at least minus 15 everywhere. It's just well, they didn't. They they can't adjust quick enough, and they don't know what they're doing. They don't have the time to have a trainer sitting there and adjusting fast enough to some of these sports, and that's why I think a lot of people take advantage of in-play and uh, the same thing with the esports. You see some, you see some big vig on some of these esports lines and some of these books. It's like, well, first off, they're probably just copying, and then second off, they're they're not even confident. The, in the copying they're not confident <laughs> in the person who they're stealing the lines from and you do see some people pretty successful and they're saying you know and they're betting anything you know that's like hey that's minus 400 it should be a minus a thousand you should lay it heavy on that like they it doesn't juice doesn't matter big underdogs come through all the time like esports lines are kind of shit and it, it's it's wild because it is it is a little new and they had a chance this summer to to develop that market a little, and it's still you still see wild results. And you know, the few people I know that are into that market, like they yeah, certainly not scared off by the margins.
1: I mean, the, the thing about, I mean, esports, I mean, another great example, I mean, Drew loves this is ITF. Bet it to 112, right. bet it to 115. Fuck, I've seen people who bet into 112 ITF with 20% ROIs over like thousands of bets.
2: Sure.
1: It's like. Do you know, what? I did a, I did a study of price.
0: It's all price discovery there.
1: I, yeah. I I did I did itf right. Um, Brea, Brea scores. So you know, measure of uh, predictive accuracy, if you like, over like a hundred thousand itf matches, opening to closing. Do you know what was crazy? It was barely more accurate than flipping coins, barely. And you know what was also crazy is that the closing line was almost the same as the opening. Wow. So they didn't even get the pricing. They inf- didn't even get the money information into the price. Wow, that is wow. how fucked up it was. And like, and you know what? The funny thing is, is that you look at, you think to yourself, what would the bookmaker love to see? Oh, I bet they'd love to see people doing, you know, fourfold, fivefold parlays into one twelve markets. Do you know what? Taking fourfold, fivefold parlays when you've got a minus twenty percent EV, <laughs> that's that's probably not what they want to be seeing. But they don't know it yet. Sure. But well, you no know one's crazy. I mean, it's just so, it's so
2: illiquid. I mean, it, it, if there ever was an ITF market that was a that was suddenly was very liquid and a lot of information was flowing into it, that would the Tennis Integrity unit would have to be on it because you know there's some sort of fixes in you know these these markets. I, is it just that? Is there there's not enough information to, to get yeah, the plus? Price they put discovery? the
0: interns. They put the intern in charge of trading yeah, they, that market.
1: No, well, I mean, for starters. How many originators are there in ITF tennis?
0: Yeah, three, four.
1: Not many. (laughs) And how many many times have we got the blind leading the blind? You know, we've got people just following stuff. And, you know, to impart betting information into your pricing, you know, you need to have ownership of your pricing, right? Sure. Or you've got to build a complex solution. Bookmakers do not like spending money on complex solutions. Absolutely not. Sure. So, like, it that, and the funny thing is, you talk about like the liquidity. Do you know what? I go back to Marco Bloom did a, a a good sample on this on one of the podcasts he was on. Marco keeps a lot close to his chest. I love that. You know, <laughs> those are good the podcasts way, you know, though, when he's on. You know, he's a he's a you know a top top class poker player once upon a time, etc. So you know, he's obviously very good at keeping. You know, but he talked about parla the great thing he talked about parlays and he talked about how you think for parlay. As having larger and larger bets on each leg of the parlay, and how you get volume through multiplication. Sure. So people say to me like, "Oh, why would I bother with like, you know, first quarter totals or like, you know, ITF or esports or whatever? Just parlay it. You're packaging massive EV multiplied times over. It's like the other. It's like the other thing is it's like if you're watching a screen, the number of times." that you'll be in a situation where if you know college sports, like, I mean, I, Andy, you're big college basketball, right? Is that is that, is, yeah. is that yeah. your thing? You know, so you'll be looking at that lower division stuff. You can't tell me that, like, every time you only see one price that you like. Just impossible. There must be times where you look at it and, like, I'm going to bet that and that and that and that. And, yeah, you look at it and you think, oh, I'm going to bet that there because it's best price there, that there, is best right. Do the calculation, EV calculate, throw in some slightly negative EV, some neutral EV with the massive EV, so you can get the four sections of the parlay at that bookmaker, so that you can put that parlay in. And like, you need to be confident, because obviously when you start putting in slight neutral EV or negative EV, you get a slight tricky thing. Alternatively, you can just leap to something where you know that the, you can almost price in the EV easily. So if you want to throw in a minus three NFL game, you kind of already know, like close to kickoff, you kind of already know really what the approximate negative EV might be on that. But you've got three other bits. You know, you've you got to sort of think about like, people complaining like, oh, I wouldn't use that book because the limits are so low, or whatever, like that. Just make your own limits. Parlays mean you make your own limits. Just yeah. check the max payout. And like, I, I, see, I see behind the scenes, I see shit that literally would fucking melt some people's minds. Like <laughs> some of this esports. Some of this, some of the esports I saw like people do like 12 full parlays. So there's a, some esports tournament and they bet yeah. every single match in a parlay on the opening round. Didn't realise. I forget what we didn't realise. Didn't realise something stupid, whatever it was, like player was dead or something. Something something completely ridiculous that you had to be sort of follow the forums to know. And, um, and yeah, just absolutely obliterated it. And, like, the, only, the, the first time you realize you've been obliterated is when you fucking open the ledger and see that that, <laughs> that bomb has exploded in your, in, in, in your book, you know. And, and, and like, a, lot people, a lot of people get angry at that stuff, but I fucking love it. When I see that, I'm just like, you fucking got it right. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: bottom line, it, it, bottom line, who cares though? Because you're you're gonna take so much action on the super efficient NFL or the EPL or whatever yeah. that that's really where you're making the money. The and rest of this stuff is just funny. A, it's just yeah.
2: acquisition. This really really hit home too because after last year, and all my college basketball for the most part was pretty public. And someone reached out and he said, "Hey, I ran your stuff. You know, pretty pretty plus EV stuff." He's like, do you know if you would have parlayed your picks, even at the closing number, every single day that you had at least two, you would have had an extra 50% um ROI on, dude, on think top about of what you made on top of what you made. And then I I said and I went and looked at it and I'm like, that is amazing. And then I didn't, of course I didn't do it. And then, what a couple weeks ago, I had a four and oh day followed by a five and oh day. None of them were even close as far as the closing <laughs> numbers. Like the parlays on those two take care of the whole year. You could have done yeah. it again this year. And yeah. it, 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 it bothers me to, a lot. Now. Andy,
1: Andy, I got to ask did, did, you, did you sort of hate that guy? <laughs> uh, he's,
2: uh,
0: no, you he's, help, he's it, helped me with some you other need, stuff. So I you can't often, it, need, I you often need perspective from the outside for these sort of things. It helps, yes. Think about think about the um Mexican baseball that came through, Andy, that we yeah. got from from our friend. You know, if you're not originating it, but you see something small market comes through that is just absolutely crushing, just like Matt's saying, like you, you're like, well, I can't get a ton down on this, but I can parlay these. Like no you know, you know it's plus E EV. or even just you parlaying know, it with neutral E V
2: stuff. If you can find we'll parlay- something that's, exactly. yeah. that's just yeah. neutral with the VIG and parlay it with everything uh, if and or buts and
0: Yeah. If you're yeah. originating your own college basketball though, maybe you're a little uncertain. You're like, yeah, my EV is positive, but how big is it really? Do I really want to mix in some coin flips and some minus EV with that? No, I'm I'm well, that, I'm not going to get greedy. I'm just going to take what I want, you know, single single play these. But yeah, no, I That's where
2: the mental the mental aspect. It's like what Matthew was saying with the the blue circle wars. Like that has to keep a guy up at night it doesn't matter how sure of yourself how back tested and how positive you are or how much money you have if you're maxing something at a very liquid book at a very liquid market and it's bouncing right back at you you're not just sitting and clicking that as fast as you can again like nobody nobody is every you you have to sit and think about that for a couple seconds certainly well, we, like we, I mean there's we some have, doubt in your mind on something like that
0: we have a mutual friend who's a baseball better. And he told us at one point in in, in the thick of oh, just a season where he was getting down just insane liquidity um, that he would put his baseball action in he would make his prices. he'd be like, okay, um, this one's off by eight cents, this one's off by nine cents, this one's off by 12 cents, this one's off by you know 15 cents. G- give those numbers to the to his guys and they would just paint you know paint every out they had, right And he's saying, okay, uh, nine out of ten times, they the number would move eight or nine cents in the first swing, so we would only get that one bet in, kind of like your partial fills concept, right? Like he's not getting as much down as he would really hope to get down on every one of these bets because they're you know they're just limited by you know what what liquidity they have, but then one out of every ten, the number would come back, and they knew there was someone on the other side that had basically twelve cents. In the other direction, this should be going, and they had multiple cracks at that. And he said it was it's mental. It's a mental game because you realize that if ten percent of your plays, you're going to have ten x or more the stake possibilities because you don't, you know, you, you know, you're going up against someone who's equally confident and is getting equal market signal on their bets and is like, no, my numbers are right, I'm right, you know. And he said like, you know, that you have this tiny subset of plays. That end up deciding your season, and that's 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 mind blowing to me. That's mind mind blowing. I cannot imagine sitting through those ones where it's like, okay, well, you know, we have one, 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 and then (laughs) fifty. It's like what? Like that's not that's not a good way to do this. And you know, it's but you know, if you win. You know, if you win more than 50% of those or, and, or, you know, you do that once you figure out like, okay, who's on the other side of this, let's vig free cross next time, you know, and then you put, you, you know, then you only have to beat that other sharp player six out of, you know, 10 times you play them or, you know, you know, 55% of the time over the course of the season, if you have that many crosses.
1: The, the, the greatest validation for the partial fill thing for me is <clears throat> having worked a little bit in some money moving type brokerage stuff cross-matching, do you know what happened with cross-matching is everyone went home hungry, <laughs> you know, you get, you get a few hot syndicates who are really fucking good at what they do. You submit the cross-matching, they get their fills back and they'd be like, that's the one I didn't really feel that strong on. Great. I got max filled on that. Oh, the one I really liked, nothing on that, nothing on that, <laughs> nothing on that. And the other, the funny thing is the other guy's there and he should be thinking you know, oh, yeah, I I, I got Max filled on the thing that that guy hates. But he's there going, oh, it just fucking doesn't work for me, this. You know, it's like, and, you know, someone said, I, I can't remember who it was, some politician, I think, but said, like, the best negotiations, business negotiations, are the ones where both people go home angry. Yes. And it, and it's like, you know, you've got to remember, do you know the guy who fucking loves cross-matching? It's the guy who gets to see the matching.
0: Yes, He's he yes. got the
1: best fucking yeah. price on the planet sat in, in front of him, like... <laughs> right so these guys if i average these two people that is the fucking number and i'm gonna go get the shit out of it over here so you know it's like yeah i mean i i think whenever i hear people talking about indulging in some cross matching i just think I, yeah. I hope you're good i hope you're good because it is tough two two people cross matching is like tough game yeah. because you, you submit it blind because otherwise it's not fair right you know so you're both submitting what you want blind at what price. I
0: had a fun and story.
1: So it's like, you know, it's like, it's like if you ever really get into auction theory, it's like auctions are brilliant. Blind auctions are like the best. There's not, we used to give a Nobel Prize to go for it. Like the best way for the person selling to sell anything is blind auction. So the buyers in blind auctions come off always slightly worse than the sellers. It's like, so if ever you were like a government, like if you were the federal government and you wanted to auction off like huge swathes of federal property, yeah. Blind auction would be the way you've got the taxpayer the most money. That's the optimal way. And cross matching, you're entering into being the buyer in a blind auction, and you almost can't get the best end of the deal. It's very hard. It's almost
2: them. like both people are the buyer in, in that situation, and, and like in your situation with the auctions, like the seller has yeah had the advantage. To, he doesn't have the competition. Uh, essentially, you know, there might be other auctions, I guess, but all those buyers they have the. What if it's some sort of cognitive bias or just something like they, they're thinking, they're overthinking, and there's a bit of game theory, like they have to outbid someone else, where the seller is just like, This is my price. This is my blind price, and whoever whoever can meet it will get it. So it it is almost kind of funny that you turn them both into buyers at that point.
1: And you and, do and see you that a lot. You, you see
2: crosses that just don't get filled. Like, uh, you know, somebody says, We got offered this, we got offered that, and they just, they never, it never happens.
1: Yeah, they, they can't see the resistance point. Because sure. invi- you have to say, so it's like when you see an art auction, like million, million one, million two, million three, million four, like both of those people in the bidding have what they think is the true price.
0: Reserve price, sure. Yeah.
1: And and both of them in their head, they have almost certainly overestimated the maximum price it's worth. And it's true. Like when people estimate their edge, it's like, it was actually bet the process The Shane Sisby um, recent yep. one. Where they're talking about things over moving, number of fucking time things over move. It's just because the guy smashing into it with his incredible model says like this is like minus one thirty, and it's like I bet it it's minus one twenty. Fucking you moved to my fucking number, bitch. I'm gonna bet the you minus. You now that is that's where it should be, and it's gone there. And it's like look over every single one of the times that you made something minus one thirty and the market was minus one ten. Did you capture that twenty? Did you capture all of it? Does your EV line up? Does your ROI line up with your EV estimation? No, Because I, I just, you know, I've seen really, there are probably people out there who's like ROI and EV do line up. But for the vast majority of people, it's very hard to capture your whole EV. In fact, if someone told me they were capturing 50% of their EV, I'd be like, great job. You are, you are doing great. Because <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen people like who are betting, you know, really high level soccer stuff. And they're betting into like, Asian market, not so much now, Asian market is getting a little wide, but you know, once upon a time, like 102, and they'd be like, making like 1%. And it's like, yeah, so if you're splitting the difference, if you're getting 1%, when it's priced to 102, you know, you're you're doing a good job, that is a good job. And it's hard for people to sort of, don't be discouraged. Like if you're, if you're closing line value, and like, 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 when people look at their closing line value, and compare like, Oh, my closing my value over like last two thousand bets. Should I should be a millionaire, but I've only got fifty grand. You know, it's like don't don't feel bad about that. That's, you know, you're already in a very exclusive club by making money and having closing <laughs> line value. So you know.
0: Okay. I um, well, I want to go back to one real quick point that you brought up about the ITF, and specifically when it comes to the unknown. And price discovery specifically in markets, and it's rare that you—I mean, it happens for sure at the beginning of any given, you know, major sporting season in the U.S., where uh, you know there's some true uncertainty. Uh, how is this coach going to operate this team? How are these play, how do these players develop in the offseason? Uh, you know, how is this new quarterback going to fit into this role? You know, is he going to thrive or is he going to shrink? You know, like there's for sure uncertainty, and there for sure is. Volatility and price discovery in the first couple of weeks that you start to get new, you know, data and games and information. And then there's some sp- like outlier crazy price discovery cases like Iga Sviantec at the French Open sort of stuff. Like you, you know, that I, how as a trader, how as a bookmaker do you handle something like that where you have someone kind of come out of nowhere and play at a level that you just aren't sure is repeatable and you, You know, it takes you the entire tournament. You never win a bet. (laughs) You're you're never have a winning book against Iga Świątek because you cannot, you know, find the true price. Um, And is that just like such a one-off, such a unique scenario that it's not really worth worrying about?
2: Or or the 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 Heat the Heat Celtics series I always bring up, where it's like you know just how the NBA playoffs are booked. They're just it doesn't matter how good the Heat have been playing and how. Bad. They beat the Celtics in this game. They can't adjust the line to where they probably should. It's the anchored in the wrong place. It has to be. Yeah, the anchor, the starting anchor was in the wrong place. You can't go flying off the handle when maybe you should.
1: Right. So, let's assume we work in a world where I mean people actually do do engage in any sort of price discovery or any sort of actual handicapping of any sort, which is not necessarily a given. Um, because part of the problem is that if you stifle true price discovery, you will always never get to the correct closing lines. And if you don't get sure. to the correct closing lines, you can't update your perception of where things are. You know, there's no doubt that if something closes at, let's say something closes at minus seven and you've somehow the industry has stifled getting to the minus 14, it should have been when that team wins by 21. There's still kind of this perception that, like, no, the minus seven could still be right.
2: Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So,
1: like, the, the, you know, without efficient price discovery globally, you hold back everyone's ability to come up with a good evaluation. But yes. okay, let's say if you did it like really well, if like everything was functioning the way it should be, so like the French Open example, one thing that the bookmaker always has an advantage in, in a way, almost the laziness pays because. If you basically just like someone wins in a convincing fashion, really impressive, the easiest thing to do is just nudge them up one. There's whatever your arbitrary rating ranking is. Oh, up one. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm going to give them something. And the great thing is you go up one. And the thing is, is that if we assume that on average across the planet, excessive outlier performance is hard to maintain and regresses, then. By just incrementing one, but bookmakers in their by betters in their heads think it's gone up ten, you eventually catch them. So like you'd see in these classic tennis matches are brilliant in this, the tournament structure. So you get bang, you know, a massive like young like so what was it It was you know, like Coco Goff, for example, with Wimbledon, she had that run, you know, she's a great narrative, fabulous story, lovely person, comes across great, everyone Everyone wants to buy into that journey. They're betting almost because they want to be part of the Cocoa Club, right? It like, like, feels good to bet on someone who you like. You know, the sort of the full narrative, and it's a big liquid market. So that happens. The next match comes along. Take a load of bets. And like you've seen Coco play, and you're like, no, oh, it's not bad. Up one. People come in. Bang. Take their winnings. They're like, fuck, they love it. Like, Not only am I part of the Coco Club, but I also got paid. Right, next <laughs> round of matches come on, and so the bookmakers just praying to basically average in, eventually to the point where you know we took, you know we lost ten grand, twenty grand, thirty grand, hundred grand, and hopefully it will cover the all the rounds before it, kind of thing. So oh, usually sort of that it usually does, right? Well, I mean, yeah, the the true, the thing that I got taught and when sort of I was being told actually like how to come up with a, you know, being an odds compiler, a handicapped to come up with a number, was to understand, and they called this, and this was something that comes out strongly if you trade live. So my background originally in the UK in the early noughties in spread betting, we were the first people to do sort of fairly complex live markets really. And you had to understand the power of what we would call um, the rebase, they would call it. So your original number, your prior is, garbage you know we've seen the first 40 minutes or whatever of whatever we're watching (laughs) and it's quite clear that nudging up one that
0: happens in the nba about one out of five games go ahead
1: yeah up up one (laughs) is not gonna fucking cut it so now it's kind of like and the thing is is that you need the mindset so the temptation is to go or maybe it's up 10 no that's the worst thing that you can do thinking going up one's not cutting it and never really rethinking the, the prior and just thinking, well, I'll go up five, up 10. That's how you overshoot as a bookmaker and people beat you back the other way. What you've got to do is you've almost got to stop, you know, pause, time, look at the original number. And it may be that the next move you make is up 13.8, whatever your metric is. But then that's your new starting point, And then you're back to up one, up one, up one. You can't be going five, 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 five 5 that's because you just overshoot and you fuck yourself. So you want to be going back, re-establishing the prior, the, the original rating. I mean, I remember one of the earliest games I watched. I mean, you guys familiar with what Rugby League even is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you watch, you, I think even some of you bet on some Australian NRL, didn't you, at some point? Yeah. <clears throat>
2: I've, I've, rugby and yeah, Aussie rules football, those are fun. Yeah, the is great. So, so I, I
1: you, you've, you will have watched rugby league and it's a physically demanding game. Not only is it heavy contact, but there's no real pauses, long pauses in play. So aerobically you run a lot and also you get hit by large men a lot. It's not a great combination for my view, but there you go. <laughs> and I remember watching in early noughties, it was a rugby league game in the UK and we saw some very late, very let's call it the hottest of the hot sharp action and they were backing this team to cover and they were coming back and back and they were just like literally they had almost infinite appetite so it's almost like it was the equivalent of a game going from minus three to minus 40 in the nfl that is how big and it transpired that one team had sent basically their kids and when we used to joke about like kids means people in their low 20s no no there were
2: ki- there were kids. There were eighteen. They were
0: seventeen-year-old under seven under eighteen team.
2: Do you do you, this and, the Russian soccer match? It reminds me of that,
1: and and they were playing basically their best possible, you know, the the absolute elite versus these kids. And the what you know what the worst part about it was is I remember watching the guy trade it, and the kids like <laughs> held their own for like the first twenty minutes. It's again, worst, like that
0: Russian soccer. The
1: you know, worst that's... thing that could have happened because yeah. you know. When you're 18, running for 80 minutes while getting hit by a man, double your body weight, that takes its toll. And you're making a lot of tack. You're constantly on the defense. So you're getting hit again and again and again. And like the score was like 1 by 70. Or so. It was just absolutely ridiculous. The most ridiculous game I'd ever seen at the time. And so like, if, if you don't have the capacity to rebase that number, and you know, the thing is, is that it's the sunk cost, isn't it?
0: Yeah, right. Because you know yeah.
1: the moment you rebase 30 points away from your original, it's basically like paying out all those tickets already. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: like, we've created those winners. Those are winners. Those are winners. We're new market. You almost want to
1: be able to like reset your order book, like reset all the bets you've taken. So just give me a blank canvas. That nasty, that nasty book will settle that when we fucking have to settle it. But right now, blank canvas. What would I be now that I know that there's 18 year old kids playing in this game? So, you know (laughs) that, and that is like the real skill and that's what made live trading. Like you guys will have, a lot of the the U.S. content talks about quite rightly, you know, the softness of halftime numbers. Right, a lot of people want to bet very quickly into halftime numbers in college sports, in American football, or like that. And it's because so many of these situations will require a potential rebase. Maybe not a huge one, but there'll be a scenario whereby the prior has assumed that on average all these things meet this line, and you watch the plays, and suddenly so you're like, the average. Is meaningless now because we're all playing up here on this line, this medium. You know, there's like the lower two standard deviations below the average. Two, and it's like the average is, it's like if someone said to you, What's the average of binary code? you'd say a half. And yet it never lands on a half, right? It can only be one. And it's like <laughs> the average performances of sports teams and metrics and things like that. They often have some sort of average. But the reality is that when you actually see the game play out, you can quite quickly go to 0-1 when you see, oh, right, yeah, that guy can't catch the ball, fuck, okay. And it's, <laughs> okay. it's not like up one. It's like, no, the guy can't catch his shit, you know, or, or like, yeah, he's getting sacked three times or whatever. Or the weather really is that bad, whatever it is. Browns- and he's mental...
0: reading.:
1: <laughs> what, What's <laughs> incredible is with all this complexity of live, Andy, the live limits are much higher in UK and Europe than they are pre-match. You can have much larger bets at Bet365 live than you can wow. pre-match. Wow. And it's because the margins are so much better. They make so much money because in live environment, it's harder to price compare. So it's harder to pick someone yeah, off. You can't
2: price shop that. You'd have to slow down time to price shop.
1: Well, but people do. Good yeah. screens are price shopping. because, like, You can price shop with soccer quite nicely because the time decay with the balls in the middle of the pitch you can kind of oh, price yeah. shop like it's sort of like yeah. and or you know, potentially price shop in between plays and and, and you know, it can be done. But anyway, but yeah, generally it's hard for like most people to line shop during life and it's a more emotional state.
2: Oh my god, he almost
1: scored. You know, like it's it's the more emotional state. It's the perfect environment to take bets. It's like mm. it's like three drinks in round the roulette wheel, you know. It's like it's the just the so li- that's
2: when people say I mean, why do people care? I mean, I, I, the, City City goes down to some shit team, Sheffield. Sheffield knocks a early one in. Lucky. And, I mean, you know where the live money's coming. So, all of a sudden, the total is, <laughs> you know, the, the total is suddenly three and a half, you know, minus 50. And you have to price City at an absurd rate because, I, I mean, it just the fact that you know where all that money's going to come like there's just so many live situations where as an operator you you just know how the market's going to react so quickly anyway you would think like well, th- th- there's your margin like oh you you, you punters gonna like you, you aren't you're taking any Sheffield money up on nothing
1: but the, but well this this is where the, this is where the this is where the real challenge is is that city you know go 1-0 up and you're expecting to see a flood of tickets come in you know city uh, over goals over city goals city to cover handicap blah 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 blah. correct score six nil all of it and then suddenly you see that one fucking bomb come in and they're backing like city minus 2.75 and you're like shit didn't, didn't think that guy would be playing that or that way and then you're like you're thinking what did i miss and like you're looking at like the body language of the sheffield players and it's like oh they're shit they are already relegated and maybe they just oh fuck did i call and then you know we're in rebase territory again That's a be like one i loved this was great watching the the bet ticker flow was usa women soccer against thailand oh man fuck that was unbelievable no one no (laughs) one thinks like no one sits there thinking you know what this handicap should be nine goals Everyone's kind of like, "Well, I think
0: we, but like, we did think that, though." Well,
1: we like, like from, a tournament, yeah. When, <laughs> when, when, when you're a bookmaker, like you kind of try to think, Do you know what? Maybe USA will just like score three, and then they'll let and then like, just
0: call off the dogs. Yeah, right.
1: Uh, they'll, they'll let their, you know, the, the girls will let their friends play for the next half or something like that. I don't know, you know, what will happen or or something like that. And so they're just kind of like. I don't, I couldn't tell you what it was, but it certainly wasn't 11 goal handicap, right? (laughs) Or whatever it was. So like, you know, and there was this moment and like, it's almost a danger if the goals are really evenly spaced because it's like, it's like basically sleeping in a smoke filled room and you don't realize you're dying. It's like, Oh, 10 minutes in (laughs) first goal, mm, 20 minutes in second goal, 28 minutes, third (laughs) goal. And you just don't, you don't realize you're just sleepwalking towards your death. And the funny thing is, is that in that that moment, in that moment, the the guys who just, you know, are like low stakers, the low stakers, they're all like, fucking idiot bookmaker, this is going to be like 40 (laughs) nil. And the great thing is, is that there's also the sharp as fuck guy who's going, idiot fucking bookmaker, this is going to be 40 nil. And so you get hit by both (laughs) of these locks. And it kind of gets all filtered in. And you're like, oh, I've suddenly got a huge position here. And... (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it's just mostly small tickets. And, like, this is a test of a bookmaker how good their bet monitoring is and how how good they're, like... Because you can just, like, suddenly realize... And the funny thing is, is that you're there taking bets at, like, minus nine and a half. And you think, I've averaged in pretty well here. There's no way there's ten goals. Like, fuck, you know, it's just... It's incredible. And, and it's, it's one of these things that, like... It's really tragic, but... It's almost like a really shit computer game I'd love everyone to play, because it can be quite fun. It's, like... I remember watching that oh, was it it's a shit film but it's a great film. It's got it's got Billy Bob Thornton and Angela G, I think and Pushing Tin and basically it's about air oh, traffic yeah. control guys. Right? That's like oh, a wow. classic shit That's late night movie for me. Yeah. And um and I, looked, really and I looked at that and I, <laughs> I went to school with a guy who straight out of school at eighteen, all he wanted to do was be flight control. That's all he wanted to do. And flight control in the UK, like the test are like it's like it's like trying to get into Goldman Sachs, only like for Mensa, you know, it's like it's fucking brutal. And they make you play these games that are like these are really intense, like migraine giving games basically. And the consequence of you fucking up is a load of people crash and die. And it's like it's like it's like one of those things where I don't want to do that for a job, but it would be interesting to do that like as a game exercise. And sure. I would love to get loads of people like to trade You'd have to pick games that like no one really could remember the result from that had ridiculous score lines in it and like you know you try and get them like okay so we're gonna replay the bet data, all the bets that were struck and the prices and you've now got to trade this as you see it almost like a training simulator but with historical data and I, would lo- I would It's sort of it's tragic like no one else would want to play this game at all but for me, it'd be some, like a,
0: yeah just pick some random SEC college football stuff with you know Alabama scoring. 30 or 40 points in the first half and no score in the second half. And people watch people pull their hair out. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. So that faith. women's match too. Like you said, the spacing of those goals, like the, the time decay is the time decay and you have to set, you know, certain like your baseline, you have certain expectations of how soccer works and yeah. they weren't, they weren't close enough together where people was like, well, just if you're just gonna keep hanging these numbers and using normal time decay and using normal normal advancements on the total, you're just gonna like you said, you just probably got drowned.
1: And 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 the thing is is that also um you kind of No, I mean that was so brilliant. It's like you expected some humanity from the USA, didn't you? You expected some sort of sisterhood at some point. I like, kind of did. Is. I, did.
0: Well, I, thought I
2: they were just, you know, I thought they were going to let up after like six.
0: I was, I was, <laughs> I was one of those people smashing USA the whole time because you got the sense that they were every, you know, they were still celebrating so hard after like oh, seven, were, like, <laughs> like, like, like just like woo, yes, jumping, <laughs> you know, and like, and then they, and then they bring in the the subs who hadn't just scored. Good. They hadn't scored in like. A bunch of international matches and you're like okay well now they want to get theirs like this is obviously like everybody's get right game you know like this is the confidence builder like they are going to get as many as they possibly freaking can they do not care about promoting the growth of women's soccer in thailand they, they give zero <laughs> zero f's about this they they are going to bury them alive and uh yeah that was fun that was a fun one <laughs> anyway All right, well, we've taken up enough of your time. This has been a great conversation. We for sure will uh, try to have you back on this offseason as uh – uh, talk a little bit more about industry stuff. See, uh, you know, see where, where, you know, I guess, what do you see the, uh, the future taking, uh, taking you here in the space over the next uh, couple months? Are you going to be doing more content? Um, I've absolutely loved all the you know videos and podcasts I've, I've seen and heard you produce every time we talk to you or I hear from you hear, hear from you, you know, different light bulbs are going off and help me kind of think better about the space. So thank you for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, where can people find your stuff?
1: Well, I'm putting. I'm back on Twitter, having been off for a while, and I'm putting content out. Where you know, I've done like a couple of YouTube videos, and uh, still got my Medium blog. It's got some bits on it. Still got the podcast, which is Anchor, but also available on iTunes and other places. SoundCloud. I didn't pay for the premium SoundCloud, so I think there's one episode on there, which is what you're allowed. But yeah, don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, and you know. In terms of content, I'd love to put out more content, but I'm lazy and also never really sure at any given time what content people would want. I definitely would like to try and do more stuff. From, you know, It feels a bit bandwagony, but you know, apparently betting has been legalized in the States, so I'm, I'm sort of interested. <laughs> in, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, in, in seriousness, I think yes. that people have – the questions I receive from people in the U.S. betting space are different and make me think harder. And they also made me question things. You know, there's, like, it's really good for me to be opened into that. I mean, I, I mentioned, I mean, I, I'll leave it up to Drew, whether he wants to to mention it later or not, but I've been listening to this podcast about a guy working in the PPH industry. It's good. I love it. Like I, 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 I had researched, I'd investigated this quite a lot over the last few years myself, but just hearing some of the stuff on it, you know, I love hearing about, you know, different, any ge- geographical location. One thing that, you know, I think US content creators are adamant about and very correctly is, USA is different, but so is Russia. So is the Australian market, you know, Australia, no live. Russian market, you know, tennis volume in in Russia is absolutely through the roof, it's phenomenal. You know, everyone's got these geographical personalities, different norms, just the fact that you see, you know, uh, odds appear in different fashions suggests this. And I think um, they should be embraced and celebrated and encouraged these variations. And I also think that, you know, I, I would, I would think that um, it'll reap great dividends if the industry recognizes the importance of embracing the diversity of people. And, you know, you know, to, to suggest, um, <laughs> to, suggest to suggest that uh, the U S hasn't figured out how to do certain, you know, things, right. I they've got some stuff, right. Right. I mean, you know, your barbecue is pretty good for starters, but, um, you know, but no, it's, seriously, it's like, you know, it's, I think there is, um, I, I would love to do some sort of more content looking at the U S. Um, but I need people to feed me information, things they want to see, things they want to hear. And to be honest, cause I'm so lazy. What I really need is you to just get me back on having sourced all the questions for me, ask me the questions and then, yeah, it's just easy stuff. But yeah, I think, um, I think definitely, you know, I'm going to be just, um, just gonna see how it goes, and hopefully I can stay on Twitter without losing my mind. You know, but I can't give me. Not
2: easy. So it's a it's, delicate art. It's it is an art. Yep. All right. Well, with
0: that, we'll wrap. Thank you again, Matthew Trenhall, of course. Uh, Industry Insider. What, was
2: your, what is your Twitter account, just in case some people want to bug you, or by bug you, I mean ask you a really good question that you could turn into content. Uh, it is
1: God. I don't even remember at. At at 10 star underscore trench.
0: 10 star trench. I like it. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you as always. And uh, we will uh, look forward to having you back on and doing another one of these chats. And, um, uh, you know, best luck in your endeavors over across the pond. Cool. Thank you very much. Set the music. All right. Good job.
2: Work. I don't get to listen to the music in the morning. Enough. This is nice. <laughs> Very pleasing.
0: Yeah, we should just do a download video and we'll just post it. The, the, can we post it? Yeah, to we'll play? Post it. We can post it to play at uh, at the normal time, right? So people can yes. watch it live. Yes. You know how to do that? I'll
2: figure it out.